ATX. Boomatx.com. Back in the house. Back at it. After our, after our Bitcoin extravaganza last last episode. Bitcoin and blockchain. The, and then the beach. Yeah. I need a third one, the three Bs. There you go. There you, go. you went to the beach. I did, yeah. Very nice. It and was the lake. humid. It was hot. It was sandy. Oh, beaches yeah. typically are? Beaches. Yeah. <laughs> typically. You went to the good ones. It was a good beach. It had sand, no oil, no oil on it. <laughs> so not Galveston? Yeah, not Galveston. Okay. It was Port A. Port Francis, yeah. yeah less, good less, old less Texas oil. beach, baby. Back your truck up. Blare your music. Absolutely. It Some flags. Fun. They like flags in the there back of the truck. Lots trucks. of flags. Of all types. Mustang Beach. Yep. Lots of new tents. You know, there's a lot of new tent styles out there. Because uh, there used to be a lot of broken tents up yeah, and down, recycling. and easy up. Yeah, and they lasted about a one day, gust. Yeah. One gust. And <laughs> there's this cool new tent now. I couldn't tell you the name. Shish, shish, shish. It starts with an SH. I bet it's, it's a, a long... Academy? No, uh, no? You, you buy, I think you buy it on, on the line. Instagram? Yeah, but it's one pole that's okay. like U-shaped to the ground. Oh, yeah, and it kind and of flows. And the wind makes it flow. Yeah. Uh, so, but it sounds really loud. <laughs> I walked over to one just to hear, and you're not going to sit there and visit. No. Like, <laughs> this thing is just <laughs> rippling in the wind, you know? Oh, anyway, so we have guests. We, we have, have guests, guests this week. J and J. Usually on the podcast. J and J here to join us. Earlier, we talked about our awkward introduction phase, and we were through with the awkward introduction to the podcast phase. Now we move on to the awkward introduction of the guests. Guest shall phase. we? Yep. Yeah. So, J and J, we got Jude and James. Jude Galligan and James Rambin with uh, with Towers Realty, Towers Blog. Thank you. Good to man. have you guys. Appreciate yep. y'all very Good much. Good to be on. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Some, uh, some longtime uh, Austin commercial real estate industry news and, and uh, marketing geniuses. <laughs> Wait, towers.what? Towers.net. Towers.net. I guess .com wasn't available. Towers.com, uh, not available for a price I'm willing to pay. Boom. That was, that was a plant. Uh, that was a plant. Yeah. We researched exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it is. It is not a functioning website. I I think we tried. No, is that no, correct? I've, I've gone after it. Yeah. I went to to uh, who is and just checked. Yeah, and it was some company in Virginia. Willis Towers watching Watson. Yep, that's right. That's right. They've got a little more money than me. <laughs> I've tried to buy my last name, Snedeker.com, and uh, it's owned by somebody in Salt Lake City. Huh. And again, as bad as I want it, they're not willing to give it up. Yet back in the day, true story, I swear, a friend in high school, because this was like 93, I think it was, maybe it was drdre.com. It was one of the big rappers he bought and the record label bought it from him. Back then, probably (laughs) for like 500 bucks and he was happy. Yeah. The Mormons bought mormon.com and it was a porn website. Uh, So they paid a lot to get that off the internet. Sure. Sure. That's kind of where... You know, I kind of came up in the era of blogging and SEO and domain names. You know, this was late 2000s, really. You know, so that era, you know, that certainly speaks to me. I'm a, you know, I'm a closet domain hoarder. Yeah, I've got yeah. a few secret domains that I'm like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, eventually there's a business here. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, luckily, linkedglen.com was still available. Yeah. So we got that going for us. No, and Boom ATX. <laughs> Boom ATX. Thank you, Elon. Yeah. You know, nice. he called it Boomtown. Boomtown. And I was Dirt. like, yep. Boom ATX, buy that. Do it, do it, do it. Sold. We might even have the uh, trademark on it. We should start a clothing brand. Was that about the time you bought Boom ATX? For real? Like within weeks. Oh, yeah. He was in the news and called it Boomtown. Right, I remember that. And we were, I was trying to, what am I doing with all this gear? <laughs> it was supposed to be a technology podcast. 
And then I was like, nah, boom ATX. Yeah. With linked Glenn. With linked Glenn. And, dot com. And yeah. Dot com. And the rest is history. And now we got towers.net. Yeah. Linked Glenn, the maven of Austin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I was going to say? These sunglasses would be a great sponsor for your a double-decker bus tour. Mm, it was hot yeah. and sunny that day. It was. And I would have looked good in these. It was. But the double-decker bus tour wasn't as bad as, as feared because the breeze of the moving bus and the shade from all the towers. That you could probably read about on towers.net. <laughs> that, that I'm sure that James has reported on Shaded almost us. all of them. Yeah. I'm sorry, you were doing a bus tour? We did. We did a double-decker bus tour. It was the uh, the two-year anniversary of Linked Glen. Uh, pretty much completely made up, but it was relatively close. Uh, it, it kind of attracts with uh, COVID, so so we had a uh, we yeah we rented out the double decker bus, the big red bus, and uh, made their own little map. And he let me wear the mic, and you hopped on the mic, and, and yeah, did the, and we did architecture he did, tour. He did quiz questions. We did some yeah trivia questions for away. trivia questions for prizes, and uh, he dropped us off at the. I-35 Frontage Road at Rainy Street. We walked over to Eisenhower's and had happy hour. This was a downtown tour? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dig it, man. It so did, did you just riff it, or did you kind of, you knew, knew the stops, did some research, might have stopped on towers, read some stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, we totally researched off off towers and everyone. I had to, I, di I didn't realize it was going to be so tricky to get the, the route, because I, I assumed it, it can go most anywhere, but it cannot, because it is a double-decker, two-story bus, and there are some low power wires and tree limbs. I think tree limbs were the most most problematic. So there was a, a couple of streets he had to drive a, a pre pre route and confirm he could indeed, uh, I think Guadalupe right there uh, coming off MLK. There was some, some low, low hanging branches. He was a little concerned about, but we were able to do it and go by the Travis County courthouse and how neat. Uh, yeah, it was nice. Well, the fact that nice. you actually did your research beforehand is, is good because the, uh, the downtown tours that I'm aware of, like the, the boat, tours and all that okay. i, I uh, the reason for the the propagation of the urban legend that the frost bank tower was designed by a <laughs> rice graduate and secretly uh made to look like an owl to to you know thumb their nose at the university of texas yeah. is not true no it's not and everyone tells you that in the comment section <laughs> well, i still that's tell true. it and that's, i have heard i have heard firsthand yeah. from someone who goes on that tour that that's what they tell you because these tour guides are well, just kind of shooting the it off truth, the dome the, the truth sometimes is boring that's true Although, i just say uh, it looks yeah. like an owl i don't throw looks in like any an of that owl. college crap well here's what you should say uh if you ever have alex jones on this show uh he oh, I, I see it coming uh, he, he did a uh, he did a whole thing about how the the owl symbolism is moloch which is like a pagan god that they worship at the bohemian grove yep. all the millionaires okay billionaires and uh the, the thing that really got me was he's like it's a 30 it's a 33 story building 33 degrees of Masonic, uh, <laughs> you know, 33rd degree Mason or whatever. That was his deal. So if you ever have him on here. Uh, well, he has come up now in, in two episodes in a row. The last episode on the blockchain, uh, uh, Lee was inspired by Alex Jones years ago to buy, actually purchased a Bitcoin mining rig uh, and uh, used it till the first electric. It, it, was, it was kind of fringe, you know, maybe more right wing back then. Like, here's a way to like. You know, skirt the system, not pay taxes, buy stuff from each other, get guns with this crypto, and the government can't track it. And it was very, you know, it was very pushed by Alex Jones at the time. It was know? a great way to buy drugs back in the day. I mean, it was all black market money, you know? So, and unfortunately, now it's become evident it's entirely trackable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Taxable, <laughs> trackable. <laughs> yeah. You're Fl not going to go with a little bit modicum too. of sophistication. You can track it. <laughs> 
So that was. But uh, by the way, I am I am holding on for dear life. So yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, we'll right? See. We'll see. So yeah, maybe we'll get him on here, but he's one I don't think we'll get a word in. Yeah, that's you right. Know, I don't know that he'd, he'd be entertaining. He'd be entertaining. So <laughs> AJ, if you're listening. Come on. <laughs> yes. Bring so, Jesse James with you. So, Jude, we're, we're happy to have you. Tell us a little bit Thank about you. yourself, the, the broker extraordinaire of, of downtown living. Uh, how'd you, how'd you get, get in that niche? You're born in Austin, those, those types of trivia? Thanks, Glenn. No, um, arrived in, wasn't born in Austin, but arrived here early 90s. Went, okay. to, went to UT. Loved my experience at UT. Made some incredible friends. Um, relationships that last me to this day. Um. The, the blog and the brokerage sort of, it, I think I was just a, a person that respected the need for density, starting from the point of keep the hill country, hill country. Let's protect our hill country. Let's not pave it over. Let's not just make it all sprawl. Let's not invite traffic 40 miles deep into the, deep into the suburbs. Can this guy run for mayor? Well, that, that sounds like the the <laughs> you know? lines that that uh, Mayor Kirk Watson fed us on his on a, when he on his like episode, that. yeah. And yeah. Uh, well, it, you start getting frustrated when you start understanding how the local politics prevent the preservation of the hill country. Mm-hmm. It is the when the local politicians start telling you what you cannot build on your property, you cannot build densely, and it, we are almost at the tier, we're in the tyranny of single family neighborhoods. Um, who are ostensibly also the most progressive people, there was, I felt there was uh, something that I could bring to the conversation long ago just by doing research, appreciating history, appreciating the change, not ignoring gentrification. It happens. But respecting the people along the way and making sure that their stories aren't just not told. And in terms of being a salesperson and in brokerage, um, there's all sorts of personalities that are in sales. Uh, what you don't find with our with our team is uh, you don't find hard salespeople. You find people that are uh, incredibly well versed in a certain domain and a certain niche of real estate. So that's what we do, and they they one hand feeds the other. Yeah. How many folks on the brokerage team? Uh, we've got eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice. Eight. So we're a small boutique shop. We've um, that's ebbed and flowed a little bit uh, up and down, but we're. We're kind of at a nice, comfortable spot. We don't, you know, we're we're not an outfit that trains agents, right. um, but we are certainly an outfit that helps experienced agents get uh, really good. Yeah, very good. And so, focusing on the the central business district, or do y'all y'all are handle handle transactions across the across the region? We are dominantly a city-based brokerage. Um, we do handle properties that are outside when our clients trust us and, and the circumstances warrant. But um, you know, our street cred is built around knowledge of the city. Mm-hmm. It's with, with a high, big, big niche in the living aspect of, of the central business district. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. We, we are dominantly a, a residential outfit, um, barring you know, a couple, myself personally, our team, we're a residential brokerage to be sure. Very good, very good. And then on the on the other side of the table, we have James Rambin. Yes, sir. Good to have you. Good to have you. I know a lot of the a lot of listeners familiar with you from the Towers uh, .net blog, 
uh, great reporting. Was it twice twice a week? Here? Three three times. Three a times week. a week has has articles coming out on a wide wide range of of topics centered around around Austin. Some fascinating fascinating uh, stories, and I, I always appreciate them because you can tell they don't come from a sales point of view or a, or an agenda. It's this is one of the three most interesting things I found to report on today or have been working on it and finally have enough to, to come forward. So, uh, scouring the, scouring the, uh, the permits and the historical committees and, and all that and putting, putting pieces, pulling pieces together and, and, uh, telling us what's, what's happening in the world. Well, it's hard to write about something if you're not personally invested in it or interested at least. And, uh, the blog is a perfect format for that because you should be able to feel the, uh, writer's interest right. through the, the, the text. Cause it's, not strictly journalism. It's got its own bent and we can, we can have opinions and do criticism right. and that sort of thing and work directly with the companies that, that develop some of these projects to, to get a better picture. And we're very design focused and uh, we like to integrate the history of a site or a building into the, the, the work that we do. The, the thing I like about uh, towers is that as, as Jude said, the, um, the emphasis on density and, and celebrating what you know, urban design can do for the human experience. We're very much city life focused. We want to talk about how people exist in these places, this built environment. And so um, I really enjoy being able to focus on that because Austin is probably the best market in the world, or at least in the oh, country at this moment to, to, to cover this issue with, for a myriad, there's so many reasons why, uh, not only because of the, the development boom that we're experiencing, but also because of the challenges we've had with city government and, and our uh, land development code. Yeah. There, there's a lot of angles at which to, to attack this issue. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Austin's, uh, Austin's a pretty good place to be uh, up there at the top, unless you're from San Antonio and they, they're claiming a lot of chatter that they're the next Austin. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. I still, <laughs> <laughs> I've been debating with some folks and no one's really, I don't think they can it. pull it off. Nah, they don't have anything going on. Better, uh, <laughs> better, better tacos. I will, I'll give them that. But if you, all you have to do is hop on realtor.com and see like the, the level of affordability. It's an order of magnitude. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's what they're saying. They want, one guy was pulling up the, the, the single family, uh, sale prices for the new neighborhoods. And there were some listed in the two hundreds yeah. and you're like, well, I don't understand how, so what, what is the, what is the difference? I don't want to go off on a, on a whole tangent, but right at some point, the only real differentiator is, is the land cost. You're, all the materials should be, you should be able to truck them here or there for the same cost. Um, I, I think there's some level of expectation and, and some things for finishes and that, um, that I think, Austin probably has a higher level and yeah, expectations of, but, but that's pretty big, pretty big swing for, you know, three, $300,000 for starting price. <laughs> it, it reflects the value of the land underneath it. Right. And that's where the, that's where the big property tax evaluation increases are, are, are coming from for the, you know, much higher on the property side than the, than the sticks and bricks. But, um, so James, James, how did you and how did you, you and Jude hook up? Uh, what's about seven years ago, six years ago now? Where it would have been um, twenty sixteen, yeah. I believe. Um, so I was up in DFW. Uh, I went to school at the University of North Texas. Uh, go Mean Green and whatnot. Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a call like, a, <laughs> oh, like an eagle. It's, a yeah. caw, uh, it's an caw. eagle call. Caw. Yeah. So the um, uh, the the Dallas scene uh, at that time, I think Jude was trying to expand some of his op operations up into the Dallas market, right. and so he was looking for freelance writers to to cover uh, development up there in our sort of 
uh, proto house style. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I hopped on there cause he was paying better than anybody else around there. <laughs> I used to, you know, I was, I was a food writer prior to this, did a lot of beer coverage oh. and live music and probably 35 bucks a pop, okay. uh, something like that. So it was a pretty easy decision to jump ship. But uh, I, I did a couple of stories for him, then then moved back down to Austin after school and started freelancing for the Austin branch of the site, which things were a bit more active. And I think it took about six months before he decided to uh, make this my full-time job. Of course, I was consulted in the matter, but he had to make the position, <laughs> so it was kind of up to him in the end. There you go. So moved back to Austin. So you, you were born and born and born raised and raised here. And here. Went, went, yeah, went yeah. North for college. And That's right. Made your way back. So Jude, what was what was the idea of bringing? I mean, this wasn't a. a widely used practice to, no, to for marketing or there comes a, or, there comes a point where uh, if I was going to continue putting out content that was good that was compelling that had a tone that had you know a statement behind it a little bit of editorial and context behind it I needed help um, as my business was growing I needed help and there was a time around yeah uh, 2011 2015 I was inviting writers trying to do the, can I scale this to Dallas? Can I scale it to Houston and San Antonio? Uh, which ultimately it became very difficult. Um, but you do tend to find a couple people in your life that you admire their skills and you see what they bring and you see that they exercise good judgment in the absence of you having to be around. Mm-hmm. And that for me, um, so James, you know, he understood the tone of the website you know, he's now taken the tone of the website and the voice of the website is largely James's voice. Um, but we still do occasionally have contributors come in when they have something good to say. Um, but ultimately, this was a decision based around just uh, pragmatically, I didn't have time. Yeah. So you, you had started it and for the first five years or so where you were producing the content on a fairly regular basis and at, you were keeping... Yes, and at that time I was actually two other blogs that I was managing, uh, downtown Austin blog, which was really where things started for me. And then modern Austin. And at the time it was just Austin towers, um, uh, right before James came on. So interesting. So what the, the, and the, the idea of all three of them were kind of the same just to bring interest and, and at some point get back to the brokerage or were those other two, uh, kind of uh, some other separate entities kind of involved. They, they were all, they were all topics that had a backdrop of real estate. Got it. And that made sense for me, mm-hmm. right? I can speak authentically as an expert, uh, bring real opinion, bring real credibility. And I generally found that those at that time that real estate communication in general, it was just all the refrains of stainless steel appliances and like luxury amenities and all this stuff. And, there's enough of that. Right, right. You know, so or, we wanted to bring some substance. It felt it was starting to feel a little vapid. Headshots are important as well. Oh, man, the- big time, <laughs> big time. <laughs> so you know that. I mean, it's, it's interesting marketing, if you will, because uh, outside of, of something like that, the only real good marketing I hear is getting Bar- Barbara Cochran to, to <laughs> do a paid advertisement for you on the on the radio and the, get the Shark Tank uh mojo coming to you but uh well she's done something right in her career but absolutely. Yeah, a little different yeah. <laughs> yeah i need a good blog writer point me in the right direction like this has been a heartache for me for a while and like listening to this i'm like this is good stuff well I, I, let me tell you good writing is undervalued period it starts there 
Yep. Like you have to respect the the medium and be willing to pay for quality. Mm-hmm. And if I've made only a couple of good decisions along this journey, that was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well taken. I, and, and the, I could tell before we even started recording your passion, like your understanding of what's going on in, in Austin because you're writing about it and you like it. Like I see that connection. Yeah, well, we, it's, we, it's we, we tried to find additional contributors when I first started out just to try to find some more folks that kind of understood our, our mindset and could could contribute. And it was a real uphill battle. I mean, we, we've had some contributors, but it's really tough to find people that both have the, the writing skill and the interest in these sort of specific issues. And, and some people will shy away when they think, oh, it's real estate. You know, they assume it's vapid. And that's what so we're you really do have to have avoid. a passion for the thing you're writing about. It sounds like design or land use or whatever applies. If you're, you know, an architect, then I assume that you would probably do a good job. But a lot of times the professionals in this industry don't also have writing skills. They're very separate tracks. And so that's what we've dealt with is is a lot of the good writers don't want to get into the technical stuff and vice versa. Well, it's one of those, it's like a, like, like a muscle. You have to exercise it. Right. Right. Cause so yeah, if you're an architect and maybe you can, you know, do some good design and sketches and maybe at one point we're probably a good writer, but you're, you're not, Writing, writing much of a narrative about the job, you know, that's usually the marketing team as far as the, and the descriptions are usually pretty, pretty, uh, pretty basic. But right. so I'm sure, yeah, it's hard to, to just start, start back up and try and do a real creative essay on, even if it is something you're passionate about the, the first time. Right. So it's probably, yeah, probably hard to convince. Uh, I know I have seen, it seems like I'm curious, I'm curious your thoughts. I have seen uh, quite the turnover at the, at the business journal. Lately, they have a few, few, few uh, longtime editors still there and writers, but it seems like they've had, had some turnover. And, and you look at the, the, uh, the background of, of some of the new ones coming into town to writing about real estate and things, and, and it, it doesn't seem a clear expert knowledge base they're pulling from. Uh, I think there are challenges with that, with, with making sure that new hires uh, will, will transfer that, that institutional knowledge to, to, to uh, or, or get it from the old, right. old guard. I mean, particularly because I think that the business journal is one of those uh, it's, it's, I think American city business journals is the company and they've got them all over the, the country. And so I think that that, that's seen as like a stepping stone up to a, a, a daily paper. I know that one of the, the writers that I really admired there, Marissa was her name, went on to do energy coverage at the Chronicle yeah. in Houston, which I think was, was a bit more of like a prestigious right. reporting gig for, for a, an old school journalist with the, with the business journal. It's a very thankless job because they're covering a lot of transactions and that's just the most boring real estate. You know, they, they can do, they can do a lot of stuff about buildings and about development and about local politics. But at the end of the day, you also have to cover the boring transaction right. stuff. And, and, and I, I catch myself at, uh, I'll start to read some story and I'm like, why are they reporting on that? And I'm like, Oh yes, it's not the real estate journal. It is the Austin business journal. Right. And, <laughs> and so there's, not, there's stuff not that, just yeah. construction and, and real and estate. That's, right. We're spoiled because again, I get <laughs> to write so about much. what I find interesting yeah. and there'll be times where if it's just like, I can't get it done because I don't like it. I don't care. You know, it has to be an interesting story. Transactions for the most part, unless you can link something together are just not that exciting or, or covering the kind of society side of things, galas and whatnot. Right. Like they have to do that because yeah. that's the, the, it's the journal of record for that community. But it's just, I can see how that job would burn you down yeah. a little bit. Well, oh, you can, sure. you can buy yourself an article too, you know, you, with the, you, you can pay and oh, then they right. write an article about you. And oh, so yeah, I've seen nobody sponsor, there. Right. Sponsored. Yeah. They're just sponsored. It's not, the writer <laughs> doesn't care about your business. You just paid five grand. <laughs> hey, and it stays up in the headlines longer. I've noticed on yeah. the website. I think you buy your trophies too from them. <laughs> 
It's, I'm a subscriber. I've never. A whole, it's a whole they don't ever get in my inbox about this. Approach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they've. Um, it's just a different model. Yeah. No, I mean, they do great it, reporting. It works. And, you know, right. a, no, lot of the reporter, a lot of the reporters there, we have a lot of admiration for. We understand that they are under the gun every day, right. uh, you know, to get out content and the way right. that they do it. it. It's just how that they do it. Um, that is funny you say about buying articles, though. I mean, so many platforms have shifted to that model. I mean, I get Even approached just, by them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So do, so do we. So oh, do we, we want to write an article about you. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> but it's five grand. And I'm like, I've paid for them, and I didn't get any hits. Uh, Zero. I didn't hits, sell yeah. a damn thing. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. And it has changed, I mean, in the last, I mean, not even that that long period of now it's, it's they don't have to get the story right and get it out in there. I don't even know how often the printed paper comes. Um, now it's, you got to have that red banner up the top within, you know, 10 minutes of somebody else breaking the story. Um, whereas, you know, the Austin American Statesman, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they're struggling a little bit. I don't, I don't know. I think they're, I think they've struggled with that change in ownership yeah. you know, in recent years. There are some super strong uh, journalists and writers mm-hmm. at the Statesman and, you know, still are and still some that, that uh, we are fans of. Um, yeah, but it does kind of feel like they've lost they've lost the edge it doesn't feel like that hometown the lo- yeah the local the local mm-hmm. real and, and that's why I, I was that I was reaching out I went I went to Disney World a couple of weeks ago kind of turned off everything went to Disney World and came back a week later and I feel like the world had just shifted pivoted and uh Austin's not the shiny object on the hill and and uh you know San Antonio's claiming all this and that and and uh, so I reached out to some some people and trying to get an understanding for who because, I mean, Austin, the marketing of Austin was brilliant for the last 15, 20 years. I have no idea. I don't know. It was a concerted effort, how we showed up in all the best of list every single time. But it sure did switch in, uh, you know, in a month. And now we're, we're way too expensive. Who's the next Austin? Um, yeah, we have been riding a PR train right? that, that that seemingly you would think is coordinated, but, but it, it, it I know isn't. it's looking into it. There, no, no one, no but one. We, was have, we have ridden a PR train up right. to a pretty high, you know, high mountaintop. Right. So with, with the pretty pretty abrupt turnaround, who who could be and what could that look like? Because because um, yeah, I feel like the Statesman, the local paper, is not really pumping out the go home team articles and and really talking it up it's it's a lot more it seems like a lot more nation nationwide articles you know writers from other markets and and doing the reporting on the the basics of of news stories local news stories but um you know that i don't know how we can how we can go about you know when good things are coming out about austin how who can be behind a concerted effort of even obviously behind the scenes, you don't want it to seem come across it as as a you know paid a paid effort and and all this. But at the same point, you know if the if the uh, chambers still doing their trips to to entice all these companies to move to Austin, if leading up to their trip they haven't been hearing the good things about Austin, um, or and noticeably haven't been hearing the good thing, you know they're going to start to ask questions and. Um, so yeah, I don't know if y'all had any, any well, thoughts on that. Like who could who could that be? Where where could that come from? I mean, James, wouldn't you kind of agree though that really media outlets we're just curators. Right. We have curators with talent to actually convey the messages, but ultimately the topics that we're selecting, we are the curators. But there are people on Twitter and Instagram with huge followings. They are just as much curators yeah. as we are. 
and they are just as influential. So, you know, I don't know. What do you think about that? I, yeah, I mean, I really think that at, at this stage, the idea that that Austin is is no longer cool has been sort of proposed every year for the last thirty or forty or fifty years. I mean, I, I kind of don't buy into the hype that that said that oh, you know, maybe in twenty nineteen we were the it city and now we're not. I think the reason why it doesn't feel uh, like a concerted effort by one marketing arm or something is because it was organic. There was a genuine reason why it became a, a cultural capital and had this cachet because it was cool and it is cool yeah. and it will remain a, a beautiful place. I mean, I think that the the housing challenge has just gotten a lot of PR lately. And I think that there's been some negative things that have been then been shown up lately more so than just the ooh live music and barbecue you know, but that was sort of simplistic at the beginning. Those problems were already kind of there. So I just think that really it's it's national outlets becoming more aware of the problems that that always sort of existed. Yeah. And so I, I'm I'm not really concerned about a couple of trend pieces saying that, oh, we dropped down a couple of numbers on the U.S. News and World Report or whatever it is, the, the best places right. to live. I don't think that actually – nobody looks at that list and is like, I'm going to move there. <laughs> Because of yeah. it's because it's in None place. Of that moves you know what I'm needed. saying? Like right. Like but it's like when there's 48 of them in four months. Sure, sure. And I think that's all. And you're looking all to relocate your the, company. And again, that's because all that content is aggregating. Right. Every, every I saw this yeah. go make the rounds because it was one list, and so all these different sort of uh, it got it went through the churn. You yeah. know. Um, but I mean, they had that, and then uh, here in a week or two ago, there was a story. Austin was in the top one, two, or three. Um, Something like for for corporate business climate or or something positive business related, and it was local news article on their website. And I mean, on a on a tangent, not I mean, it was it was bad writing. The the paragraph was just inserted in there without any context about how Austin had more people move. To, I mean, how San Antonio had more people to move to San Antonio last year than Austin, and then went back about talking about. The <laughs> I don't know. It's like really all of the local paper. Why are y'all trying to talk down on Austin when it was a positive news story about our business climate? I don't know. Well, you know, a lot of people would say that is a positive thing. They don't want anybody to move here. Well, they're, 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 you know, they want to build the, a wall. the locals, right? Well, I mean, I'm a local and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy to greet everybody at the door. I and mean, there used to be a time in this city when the chamber of commerce would give people that relocated their families here, uh, gift baskets to celebrate them being new to Austin. We wow. used to like that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so that I don't, I'm not a nativist. I didn't right? get a gift basket. Yeah, geez, right? <laughs> that was 2002. Oh, come on. They were sold out. It seems like then. maybe gift basket time, or was oh, it? Well, it was just, you were, just you were a little tick. older. I think we're talking the just 1950s the, or something. Uh, darn it. <laughs> it's a great town. As much as it's grown, I don't feel like anything here has changed. You know, some media yeah. outlet or somebody might want to write about the, a lack of housing or whatever, but it feels just like it did in 2002. Barbecue, the reference, yeah. You know, maybe other than some traffic. I think the like barbecue's the better. Concerts and the concert venues are better. They're better. The barbecue's better and there's more of it. Right. Uh, the lake is still there. Ish. Uh, it's, it's draining a little <laughs> bit, but I, I think there's a you, lot to do. It's if a you good interrogate town. one of these yeah. people that has that opinion and you say, what what changed? And you really try to drill down. I think at the end of the day, you will discover that their main, their main complaint is about parking. And that some restaurant that they liked closed. <laughs> Probably. It's very abstract. Yeah. And it really is about parking because I, there was traffic here in the 90s. I remember. I, I was There's here. always been. Yeah. Uh, I thought it, traffic was worse when I moved here than it is 
Well, now after with COVID, COVID yeah, it's nice. Right. It's really it's nice. nice, but even before COVID, it was. Right. I felt like it was worse in the 2000s. Every also, city thinks their traffic is the worst yeah, in the world, right. and, and, yeah, and that that's their drivers true. are uniquely bad. Houston's yes. horrible. But, Dallas is horrible. Oh, absolutely. But worse Austin, than, worse Austin, than Austin is such a small town that yes, you might go 20 miles an hour on Mopac, but you're going seven miles. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you're pointing out that point far. B, right. We're not Houston. We're not going around three outer loops. Uh, you know, 80 miles to wherever you're living. Yeah. I don't have much, uh, I don't have much patience for somebody who doesn't like to commute back to their house in Lakeway from downtown every day. How'd you know I live in Lakeway? I understand. <laughs> uh, I like, work on lucky, Southwest Parkway and it guess. is amazing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> even, even before COVID, but I mean the COVID, yeah, the traffic, the work from home is, has definitely helped help with traffic. Uh, I think that the, sometimes they'll quote numbers, the traffic being back, whatever percent or almost remember, there or more. Do you remember more. those first couple months of COVID, you're out on the highway, oh, not was, another car. I, 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 and you can it was like that time Obama came to town. And <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard about this, but the first days of lockdown, uh, they set new records for a, a drive from like New York to, to L.A., the cannonball run. <laughs> they would get these guys in these cars. They stripped yeah. down to fit more gas tanks in, and they set a new speed <laughs> record from driving from one side of the country to the other because there was just nobody on the road. Uh, or police. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, exactly. I drove from South Austin to Georgetown. During that lockdown, uh-huh. it was like a Sunday morning, and I'm I'm telling you, I passed like two cars. <laughs> it was the coolest thing in the world. It was like a movie where like everybody movie, died. Nobody's there, and I was just like going to go world. kick in some doors and take canned food. Like it was right. great. And you know, you know how that could happen is on a train. Yeah, there's yeah. no nothing. There's no traffic when you're on the train. <laughs> nope. We'll we'll get into that. I'm, I think we might have our trains. Our, uh, yeah, we might have our tra- first train fan on the on the podcast. Choo choo. <laughs> But no, yeah, definitely the work from home, the the rush hour commutes are are definitely less than what they should be with the increase in population. But the the midday traffic, the work from home crowd going to the domain or whatever for for lunch or a coffee that that definitely has picked up. So it's more it's a more constant or more distrib- evenly distributed time. But the I'm curious and on a rush Pickle hour. Ball. I remember some bad rush hour <laughs> traffic, and uh, unless there's an accident or I thirty five is closed for whatever reason, it's. I think you, you mentioned work from home. Right? I think it's counterintuitive for a lot of people, even including me. But two years ago, when we two plus years ago when the pandemic was starting, you were asking me, you know, "What's going to happen to the real estate market?" I mean, instinctually, I told myself, "Boy, small office owners, small little retail shops—that's going to be a hard slog." Mm-hmm. Well, today, I, I, may, I may have read this in the ABJ, in fact. I mean, the, the hottest segment of Austin real estate is office leasing in downtown Class A buildings. I mean, that space is going and going for quite mm-hmm. a bit. So I was, I was shocked to, to learn that despite work from home and despite all of the challenges with traffic and uh, et cetera. But yeah, the Austin office market is crushing. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think the office, I think there's so much downtown that's pre-leased yes. to the big, you know, right. the big four down there, Google, Facebook, Snapchat, and TikTok. But even a few others um, that, that didn't get press that right. are in buildings that are under construction right yeah. now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and, and the, the retail uh, is strong. Cause I, I feel like even though you know, retail, Amazon, online ordering and challenges, we haven't built a lot of new retail developments. So the ones that are there have more, uh, more population 
to go to go visit them, right? So that you're 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 getting more people in the door uh, because you're pooling from a bigger crowd, but have less competition than had we built retail as much as we built housing and 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 uh, and offices. I think there's truth to that. I think even uh, like Second Street, uh, Second Street did not hit its stride early yeah. on. Yeah. It went through some ups and downs. I think it's doing pretty well right now. Pretty good with what it offers. Um, Depends I, on who's playing at ACL or yeah, you know, exactly, what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. But in, in in many respects, I think the domain ate the Second Street's lunch. Mm-hmm. I mean, the domain was just so well executed in terms of retail yeah. and the tenant mix and the control over you know which tenants would go in and the look and feel. Um, yeah, and now South Congress is definitely yeah. taking its taking its thunder. Man, uh, in a big way. In a big <laughs> way. In a big way, for certain. For yeah. certain. Bringing in, bringing in retail that people are excited about that I can't even pronounce. I don't, <laughs> never heard of them. Hermes or Hermes. I, I said Hermes as well, and I believe I was I was peevishly corrected. <laughs> was, it's uh, yeah. it's Hermes, right? Oh, okay. it's, it's supposed to be French. All right. Is that yeah. where you buy handbags? Uh, where is that going in? Music Lane, South Congress. Same place as the Equinox. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we got. Local food now at the base of the Moody Theater. It, oh, do uh, Urban Outfitters is gone. Now it's a restaurant. Oh. That happened in a hurry. It did happen in a hurry because we were just down there and, and commented on the shattered glass that was intentional, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it, was. it was always funny. <laughs> I was I was told it was supposed to be okay. Blake Shelton's restaurant, you know, kind of in conjunction with the Grand Old Opry, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's called Local Food. So <laughs> it's and, actually and, called Local Food. Yeah, they're from So Houston. that means they're, it's not. That doesn't mean they're from a, Houston. It's a restaurant from Houston. <laughs> So it's not really local to Austin, but they source local food. So you're eating local beef, you're eating local green onions. I think I'm better than that than a Blake Shelton bar and restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another place to eat down there. Well, that's good. Ish. Yeah. I need to go try it. I don't know. But speaking of bars and music, Sixth Street. Do you want to chat on that? What a lot a lot of news on Sixth Street. What are we what are we reporting and thinking about that? I haven't stepped into this one yet just because uh, there was a lot of noise around it when the, the develop, uh, developers first went to the commissions mm-hmm. to, to brief them about it. But I've been covering uh, 6th Street and, and, and in an urban design context for something like four years now, talking about uh, the historical sort of arc of that street as a business district and some of the proposals that we've seen and, and what we think it could be. Now, of course, I think Jude and I definitely share the uh, impression that 6th Street, historically speaking, used to be a more vibrant business district. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, there's one photo of 6th from the 70s that's just a perfect representation of, of what it was and what it could be again. It's still seedy. Keep, you know, nothing wrong right. with, a, with a seedy district. You know, like Deep Ellum in Dallas has this going on where there's, uh, there are adult-oriented businesses, but there's also places to get a meal. There's places to see a show. Uh, there's a... There's a one, there's a regular movie theater, then there's a porno movie theater. You know, it's, it's a diverse mix of uses. Yeah. Uh, lots of restaurants, not just shot bars. Right. And so uh, it, the 76th Street was a bit run down, but it also had retail. It mm-hmm. had uh, department stores, hardware stores. Back when you couldn't get this stuff on Amazon, that was where you went right. because it was cheap retail. I mean, there were thrift stores, there were charities, uh, and then there was the movie theater that there became two the, way streets. the draft house. That's right, there <laughs> were. Um, and so it, it was a more diverse district. It might not have been the nicest place in the world, but it was something for everybody, basically. It wasn't a place that you only went after midnight. 
Yeah. And it definitely rainy streets on its, on its way out as an entertainment district, slowly, fast, fast, and now slowly. Now, I'm not sure I agree with that uh, because uh, I think the idea is that there's going to be retail spaces in the ground floor of all these right. towers. It's just going to be a different clientele. It's well, going yeah, to be South Congress versus a slightly more right. gritty. I mean, and those, those bars in the bungalows were never exactly dives, but it, for, sure. Know, it, for sure. So that means, so that, that's changing. And then yeah. the, the fourth street warehouse district, those are, are all getting denied historic saving. Right. Um, so it seems like sixth street is, I think going to have the most rallying around, at least keeping the the feel for it. Right. Um, and, and not having it be just a high rise, you know, here, I mean, with the capital view and everything you can't, but I, I think at some point it, there's going to be more, more pressure put on. Let's keep it, let's keep it something. I think the, uh, the right that example can't exa- that can't land anywhere else in Austin due to, due to redevelopment and, and those types of things. If you've seen the way that Congress Avenue has developed North of the river, uh, where you have a, a capital view corridor that makes all infill on top of the historic storefronts, pull back a certain distance in order to not overpower the existing historic sort of masonry and set up there. That's what I think needs to happen on six because you have to incentivize the preservation of the ground levels by providing right. office levels or whatever hotel above to get to make it make there be an incentive to not just let these buildings crumble because yeah. that's an issue we've seen both oh, on yeah, Congress walk, and on sixth. Not many people do, but if you walk down it during the daylight, it's, it's rough. The, yeah. the, I mean, just the building structures themselves. Yeah, you're like, ooh, literally whoa. rough, right? <laughs> you, and so, yeah, I think infill development on top of those historic yeah. storefronts, as long as it respects the context, is actually the right trade off mm-hmm. to ensure that these buildings don't continue to decay. Yeah. And I, and I think their idea is they, it'll only work as a redevelopment if it's inhabited during the day. I think they feel that's where it really gets the shady characters and the reputation because during the day, no one else is there. It's free reign for yeah. whatever. I, I agree with stick, that. They, I, I would rather, I would rather walk on sixth street at night than during the day. No, absolutely. absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just an interesting concept. All right. There's um, safety in numbers. Yeah. Simply. But being that, that close to the convention center, I mean, it seems like a no brainer for a redevelopment and not a Blake Shelton, but maybe a Willie Nelson bar and grill. I just think uh, that the, the fact that it's already a, a historic district and that there's so much scrutiny on it right. means that, that, there, that there should be redevelopment allowed because those guys are going to get so road hard on by every every single you know preservation lobby in the city that will probably end up with something pretty good as long yeah. as the compromise doesn't water down the proposal. Yeah, yeah, that Sixth Street's a tough one. The um, the agglomeration of all of these shot bars that is um, that's difficult to overcome. Mm-hmm. The economics there for those business owners they're making huge profits. They got good businesses. But it serves such a limited crowd, and this street has such, historically, to James' point earlier, served the community of Austin in a whole lot of different ways. And, you know, we've, we've seen, that being involved in uh, the DAA and the Downtown Austin Neighborhood Association years ago and seeing the struggles that 6th Street went through, you know, some of the a lot of the faults on the landlords there. They could not organize themselves together to get beyond what it was. And what do we have here today? Well, um, we've got a big local real estate developer that now controls a significant number of those buildings and finally has a vision. Now, I wouldn't normally be supportive of one company having so much interest, but that's what it's going to take, and it's here. I think it's going to happen over the next couple of years. Yeah. 
Um, one of the biggest improvements that could be made to Sixth Street, and I think it could, I was disappointed a couple of months ago when uh, they didn't do this, but just take the barricades out at night. Just stop the complete overwhelming of the street by people. One of the reasons you don't see boutique hotels on Sixth Street is, well, you can't get people to the entrance because the barricades are there. Right. Right. Um, so that's another reason. I think that the street grid itself is part of is part of the blame of Sixth Street, what it is today. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the landlords and and historically, well, first off, the landlords are not the the shot bar operators, right? So we don't. I don't think we have to worry. I don't have. I don't think there's a, a shot bar that has a thirty year lease down there, <laughs> and and very few of them are going to own the building. So so I think that can easily be phased out pretty quick. Um, and and yeah, historically. Oh, you know, if you had one building down there and you thought, I really want to do do my best and, and change this, make it up more up, upscale, I'm going to put in this nice restaurant, but you're still going to be yeah, right next to shot bars and dollar beer nights. And um, so with the with the with the developer having that that mass of properties and can really drive a, a wholesale upgrade, if you will, if if the city council thinks we need one. Well, the elephant in the room on 6th Street is the arch. Right. I mean, when that was decided, that would go there. That set, it, that set in large part, 6th Street's destiny over the next two decades. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I haven't heard, heard any, any talk of, of moving that or, or addressing it. Um, well, I think it's almost been, been become a token issue for our... Uh, for the council member that represents downtown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like at some point with real estate values, it's an easy sell to, I have this prop, I'm a developer. I have this property here centrally located around services. That's a much better fit for it than here. The neighbors aren't going to like it, but at some point I can give you four times the size because it's over here and I can, do a swap and, and redevelop this, which then frees up development uh, around it. Uh, hopefully the, the Red River Cultural District mm-hmm. has some mm-hmm. good protections for, for what's there to, to stay there. Yep. Um, but you need to develop around it, but then you get the problem of the, the hotel moving across, opening up across from Stubbs or whatever, and then complaining they have loud music. <laughs> no, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, right? It's just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, I, that, was, that, was, that was bizarre. Which it sort of resembles the... Uh, complaints you hear in Rainy Street. Yeah. People move to Rainy Street and they, they they gripe about noise. I'm like, did you use your eyes when you looked around here to see what this is? Like, this is a hopping area. So um, similarly, uh, a lot of the bars, when they started moving to Rainy Street, they were pissed off that the owners had an opinion. But a lot of the owners were there before the bars. So it's perspective on on whatever your agenda is and what you're trying to get done. Sure. Do we, do we think rainy stays open to cars for, from here, here on out? Is there any chance once the, once the developments come, it somehow. So just just as if a moment ago, I believe that the uh, barricading of sixth street is part of the problem. I think if you start barricading rainy street and only having bars on that street, right. you're going to get a similar problem. Rainy Street is not diversified in what it offers. It offers a lot of cocktail lounges and entertainment. So if you start barricading that, you make a promenade out of it. That's you're all gonna, that's there. Yeah, you're, you're going to start seeing Sixth Street problems there. Yeah. So I would rather see a mixture of 
of uses in Rainy Street and mixture of services and retail for people to enjoy during the day too. Yeah. And maybe just uh, just some sort of centralized amenity for, for Uber drop-off and pickups. <laughs> right. And, and, and I mean, scooters. You, I don't know if you can ban them from, from coming down, but I mean, it's not that far of a walk. So it seems like just getting that traffic and, and still having it open for, I don't know, communist, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time, every time somebody asks me about rainy street traffic, I'm just like, well, if you lived here, you'd have your own parking space. So be that is true. That is true. And a, and a lot of them, a lot of, a lot of floors of parking over there. There are a lot of floors of parking <laughs> over there. There are. There's about to be a lot of heavy equipment over in that area. It's going to be interesting to see what the flow of traffic is like. Yeah, I mean that's they're gonna the whole uh, entry entry to Rainy there off Cesar Chavez is gonna I, I think they've already got the construction fences up and maybe reduced the width I think there a little bit right at Cesar Chavez and Red River. Well, um, we've, we've got some we've got some photos of but if you go take Cesar Chavez and Red River uh, basically down to where it ends, it is just one building after another under construction. You have three right. buildings under construction yep. at once with with one hundred and eighty floors, all, all major buildings. Right. Yep. Right. Just, I mean, just the construct. You just think of the the Growing amount pains. of construction contractors that are going to have to getting in and out and parking or scootering or yeah, what, yeah. I mean that's that's a that's quite a logistics. It, it's <laughs> it's it's growing pains, but when it's done, yeah, man, first class downtown experience walking through there. If you want to get to the trail, all right, and then we're gonna have yeah. the trail or the, the Waterloo Waterloo Greenway. Yeah, I guess they're starting on the on that end on the rainy. I don't remember what they call that. Is that's the uh, the Waller Delta. The Delta, yeah, yeah. Delta Force, that's right? Delta. Yeah. So that's Delta, like a big body of water. Well, that's like the where fans it, out. Where it, yeah, yeah, where it reaches yeah. the the lake and. So, yeah, so that'll yeah. be another amenity down there for them. Building a trailhead park to that's to right. access uh, the hike and bike trail as well over there at um, East Avenue. Yeah, I've I've still have been just a little little confused on the on the Waterloo Greenway. How it was it was sold in the nineties as well, first off, I never remember Waterloo Creek or Waller Creek flooding. I know it has, but Shoal Creek floods every damn year. <laughs> so I'd, I'd, I'd like, did they mix them up in the beginning? I don't know. Pretty sure the big Waller Creek yeah. flood was like during LBJ's. No, I, that's what I mean. I know there was yeah. one. I've seen a black and white picture. Yeah. But I mean, to get the. If you, you don't need all that good a reason for economic development, right? But well, well, no, but they were selling it as as the for flood control and bring and bringing the real estate up out of the floodplain and redeveloping along the banks. And that would pay for itself. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's happening. Is are are there? Have you have you, you kind of looked at? See it. You will start to see it. It was designed in, to be an ad hoc approach. So as development occurred, the developers themselves, ostensibly for the rights to develop and the tax benefits that um, uh, from the Waller Creek TIF, um, they have to actually contribute the improvements themselves as they build. So the tallest tower in Texas, you're going to see a major improvement to Waller Creek along their their specific stretch. Well, right, but would would that tower that tower would have been allowed to have been built before the the tunnel? I'm just talking about just the tunnel, not not the pretty pretty landscape because it was sold as we're going to do this water flood mitigation. We're going to be able to develop up to the creek. These parcels get pulled out of the floodplain to get redeveloped. Um, Never and now it pretty much turns into we're gonna have this really amazing green belt spine running from the river up to 15th Street, which I mean, good, good, bad, or otherwise. But for, I'd say that's 100% no, I, good. No, absolutely, it is. But I'm just curious is there, 
is there is there the redevelopment that I somehow missed opportunity that kind of will pay for it? Because to pay for it, I think that there was the TIF and the TERS or whatever that was because they were build, now able to build there, they're going to be, their taxes are going to be set aside separate. So the, the hardcore infrastructure of Waller Creek was paid for via the TIF. Right. That's my understanding. The aesthetic improvements along the way was to be done ad hoc mm-hmm. as the buildings get developed. That seems reasonable. Yeah. And I think ultimately, if they can execute on that vision completely, and frankly, I think it's taken way too damn long. Yeah. But if they can execute on that vision completely, that's a gem of an asset for a city. I mean, that's a gem of an asset for the chamber. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that will be something that you could soon walk you know, prospective uh, employers and companies down in, in a few years and be like, oh, okay, this is special. This is really special. It connects us to the lake. It takes us all the way up to 15th Street and beyond, which, by the way, have, have any of y'all walked Waterloo Park? Ah, man, nope. It's incredibly well done. Like, well, incredibly well done. That's a $15 million donation by our friends. Our Moody's, yeah. Our Moody's. Moody's. We love the Moody's. Oh, there yeah. you go. It's yeah. starting to get a little confusing, actually. So <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is the Moody Podcast Theater. Yeah. We, we, talk, we, talk, <laughs> we talk smack about it all the time, how well, a buddy of mine uh, runs the Moody Theater, and people show up there all the time thinking they're going to a concert that's at the Moody Center or the Amphitheater. Right. And he's like, nope. You guys got to get back in your and like yeah because we were calling it Moody Arena and I guess we just gave it's it that the name center, but yeah. it is the the arena seemed a little more specific they, they and, need some better branding yeah. uh, they need to call one of them like the M the <laughs> yeah. M well, well, the well they got the mood yeah. got the mood yeah. which I kind of yeah. liked I kind of yeah. liked but I am mood. dying to go to the amphitheater and for a show but I have not gone down to even look at the park the vibe is just right um, it's clean uh, you know when you're in downtown. You know, I don't like walking on the streets and being bothered by people trying to sign me up for something or having to deal with vagrancy. And frankly, they do an incredible job at Waterloo uh, keeping it at bay. All, all positives about what they've executed there. I yep. need to go down and do a wander about. Yep. I think they do Sunday yoga. I mean, you could do a drop. Yep. We could reporting live. Yeah. Boom ATX from Waterloo Park. Oh, bring man. Our, bring our mats. Huh? Edit that into one of these episodes, Bring your mats, and, yeah. and then go down, go down, and do <laughs> some, do some stand-up paddleboarding. Dude, we could just make a day of it. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> it's too hot. But yeah, what they've done there—if they do that all the way down to the lake, right—that's what you're talking about. You'll just have this beautiful hike and bike trail. All right, going so right down, by the, downhill one way. I'll go that way. <laughs> going right by the convention center. We think that's that's going to happen, or we. Feeling good about that being the the best way to move forward, tear it down and build a new one. It seems seems kind of like a kind of newish building, new enough that <sighs> tear it down would be a little a little strange. It does. But but uh, something that James and I speak about frequently and that we we try and rail against is this dogma that convention centers must be this horizontal sprawl in the middle of our central business district. Like it is, there's a real cost to horizontal convention center expansion when it's taking over land that could provide 60 stories of housing. Oh, they learned that real quick. (laughs) 
<laughs> or luckily they learned it before right? when they plan on expanding west before they uh, started doing some some uh, comps of the city blocks in the area. Well, there's there's <laughs> this uh, there's paradox of the urban convention center that you want it to be central as possible with access to all these amenities and it needs to be in the center of the action and yet its placement actively detracts from the right. urban environment yep. around it. And so the yep. convention district, as you might call it, the restaurants and all that is oh, just Micheladas? utterly, that place is utterly, amazing. Yeah, utterly generic oh, man. and depressing and, and it's restaurants for folks that are flying in and have never been here. And it gives people, frankly, a bad, <laughs> a bad yeah. representation right. of the city because yeah. we've got a PF Chang's over there. Right. You know, hey, it's like, uh, that's pretty good. I'm, well, I'm not going to lie. That's not bad. The, a lot of the uses <laughs> over there just really, they, they just bum the hell out of me. The funniest thing about it is if you see, um, you know, conventioneers, they got the big, big uh, name <laughs> oh, tags around there and have big badges. They're going across um, Chavez to get to Rainy Street because mm-hmm. there's actual culture there. Right. They're leaving the convention yeah. district. No, for sure. The, the, I mean, I, just from a, a business model perspective, it just seems like a hard sell. Nobody's convinced me yet that we have this convention center that we're renting out just as often as anybody else in the country, but we're not getting the big shows. We're not getting the really big boat and motor shows or the whatever RV outlet mall. I don't know what we're doing, but, but then at the same breath, they say, and San Antonio just increased theirs to however many million square feet. Houston's is however many times bigger. Dallas just has a $4 billion plan to make theirs bigger. Like, well, how many of these shows are going to be coming to Texas? And then at the same time, going back to affordability, how many of these big conferences have attendees that want to pay $500 a night to stay in Austin versus 169 mm-hmm. in Dallas? Good point. Right. I mean, because so I know there's a teachers conference that um, that we had a friend that went to that came in from Dallas every year. It was right around Fat Tuesday. They would the teachers would teachers gone wild down on Sixth Street partying into that. Right. And then it, it quit over COVID. And then this year it was coming back in person. We asked, was he coming down? He's like, no, it, it, they're having it in person, but it's in Dallas this year. TCEA. Right. And I guarantee it has to be just the same same reason we don't have the ULI state sporting uh, championships in, in Austin. We used to have baseball basketball track everything was here but the school districts they couldn't find hotels they couldn't afford them um to put put all the kids up from you know small schools around the state sure um so it made more sense to have it at, at dell diamond or or you know wherever wherever they're having them it, even in jerry world i think the football now um so i mean it, there's just it just to, the the business behind it i, I don't understand and, and until you can the, the only thing we could argue about it is south by like if for some reason and i but i feel like they're spread out and that's that's their model is they're spread out all over austin using all the all the cool austin things um otherwise we've already lost dell world there they went to vegas and uh, they they aren't coming back they don't need to um i know we have a big keller williams relatively local company that has an annual annual deal there but i don't i don't think there's any chance they're outgrowing it it I means a big so yeah it seems like you could reconfigure that enough make it look a little nicer um you know, it, it's, I, I don't know it's not uh i actually some of the ones you just riffed on I, I, I wasn't even aware of that we might have lost out to but it's an evolving it's an evolving thing and the convention center is not what the complex itself in the middle of downtown is not widely liked because it creates a giant barrier in the middle of downtown so so from one perspective I appreciate there might be a little bit of economic loss by not being a convention center maximalist. But on the other hand, there's real, there's real costs to people that are investing to 
to live in downtown in terms of where they can walk to. And that thing takes up five blocks, five square blocks. It's an enormous I think it's three, but yeah. I think it's I think it's fixing to be a little larger than that. No, it's the same. They say it's going to be smaller. They're going for they're going from the three blocks from Cesar Chavez to fourth, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to make it make it back to three blocks. The first block at Cesar Chavez is going to be a P three, some sort of development, sure. private development, and then the other two blocks are going to be um, be the convention center. And I'm guessing at some point they go up and then and then connect up top or I, I'm not sure exactly how they're getting the footprint, but, um, I, I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like why, you know, why, why, why do we need, why do we have to have it? What does it get us? Cause it doesn't generate money outside of hotel taxes. Like mm-hmm. it, it the, the business as the, as a business itself, it loses money. Um, and, and I don't know people come for a convention and say, Ooh, I'm going to, move my business there in any real meaningful scale. Cause again, you're, cause you're going to eat at Micheladas. <laughs> Maybe we should go there. It might really be, they might really have good fajitas. I don't know, but it's days are um, numbered right, already. There's a right. tower going up there. Right. So yes, yeah, so all that's happening. I mean, cause yeah, why, why wouldn't you have actual good restaurants around the convention center, three blocks off Congress with so, like so many of those buildings right there that were on Trinity just across the way. I mean, a lot of them was a holding pattern, right? waiting for some direction to be asserted about what's going to happen with the convention center, whether or not it made sense for them to sell those properties and redevelop them at that moment in time. Um, and we're starting to, some of those are being fleshed out right now. Oh, for sure. But yeah, why, why wouldn't, why would a, a, the area surrounding a convention center not be developed the same way as other, like why wouldn't you have an office building right next to the convention center that also is going to have restaurants that would serve both you know, why, why do we have to have crappy TGI Fridays and the types around convention <laughs> yeah. center that the local downtown workers don't go to? Like, why, why can't they all be the same and you mix and mingle I mean, with I, their badges? And this, this, again, I think uh, somebody if somebody that has good taste can start curating right. uh, some of these tenants that go in there. You know, I think there's a lot to be not to be had from that with the domain being a great example yeah. of it, even South Congress. Yeah, so I mean, it plays into Sixth Street. Does yeah, it, it sure get does. does it get designed and catered to the convention center crowd, or does it become more of a Austin Austiny feel and vibe? Uh, well, I think we right? we certainly all hope for the latter. And why can't they be the same? We would all hope for the latter. Why wouldn't, but why wouldn't convention people want to go to recognizing authentic? the realities of those things? Yeah. You know, it's hard for a landlord to pass up a credit tenant like TGI Fridays. <laughs> you know, even or IHOP. IHOP. That wow. There you you know, go. Some some <laughs> landlords don't have the vision as others. Why hasn't anybody proposed a convention center up here by the domain? Good question. Plenty of hotels. I imagine it's I imagine it's been spoken about. Plenty of space. Well, they, they FC. They they put one uh, across from the Dell Diamond through a through a water park in there and through a water I park. I hear they're right? doing pretty good. I'll be there for I the next Lee's, two days. Please go in there this week. Yeah, yeah. Got to go there when uh, we're done with this podcast. Yeah, I mean that was a pretty big that's a pretty big space at Kalahari. I mean they're getting they're getting the big. Pool and spa expos. That place and, is nutty. Uh, I don't know what all they're getting, but they're competing. You, with you been? Park. I've been. I've not. No. I'll, I'll be. I'll, I'll yeah. tell. I'll let you know. We've been to the. We took the kids to the resort. We wrote. Uh, we wrote nice. about it, though, right? I think so. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. nice. But yeah, I mean, they're they're competing with the Cedar Park Center um, for for kind of that level of conventions um, and are 
you know, the, the gun and knife shows and <laughs> oh, yours is a, a school, school yeah, technology yeah, conference. Technology so, yeah. conference. Yeah. So again, you don't have to be downtown Austin for a conference. Um, I think it's more, I think in Austin, the definitely draw in the cell for Texas is it's, it's so centrally located. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can pull from San Antonio, Houston and Dallas and everybody's about, you know, roughly the same distance away. Um, so, or you can, you can be in Round Rock uh, with a nice space and although it's pricey too. <laughs> I think there's even the people are thinking about even the future, even 10 years from now, given the convention center, how close it is to I-35. If you can imagine that stretch of I-35 being depressed and lowered and who knows, maybe we get lucky and there's a big benefactor and somebody gives us a Clyde Warren park style cap over the depressed 35, all of a sudden you've got yourself an incredibly special green space. That's only one block from the convention center. So that even opens up some more doors. Jude, that, that section of I-35 is very depressed. <laughs> it's depressed. It is so depressed. Uh, we want to make it literally right. depressed. Yeah. No, I, and I, I had a, a interesting, I, I learned recently that the Dallas convention center proposal spans a freeway in a similar fashion. So you're like, at what point could we not build the convention center on top of I-35? Would that, would that not be great? And then redevelop, right? This is how economic growth starts right here on, on this podcast. That doesn't sound as crazy <laughs> it as it, you know, you're like, wait a minute, that really, I think it'd be a little ideas. small, but yeah, it's free land. Yeah. I don't know what the structure costs, but right. you sell the other land for an insane, insane, insane amount of money and bam, you got it right there and it can kind of help draw and bridge the, I don't know. It's an idea. Idea. It's a thought. I like it. <laughs> so like you were it. you were on the the downtown Austin Alliance board for yeah. for a number of years. What what all what all are they involved? I know we see the the, the Rangers or whatever their their crew is are downtown doing a good job cleaning up and uh, moving scooters and. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the DAA is the relatively deep pocketed um, uh, booster of downtown. I mean, very much it, it's funded and represented by the larger office building. Owners. Um, at times, there's friction with residential interests too, because they don't always see eye to eye. But uh, the DAA Rangers, I mean, they do they do quite yeah. a good job. They really do. And now, what what else do they advocate for? Or what are they charged with? The the, the the organization, not the Rangers, but what what all else do they? What all are they involved in? In, in I mean, kind of big picture. Well, big picture, just back in the day, when it started, it had a different name that I'm drawing a blank on, but it was just fundamentally the, the downtown property owners, the people that own the, the, own the earth, own the dirt, um, they needed advocacy that was coordinated, and that's what it was. That's what it was. Right, right. Da- the downtown Austin of today, 20 years ago, did not exist. Right. Like, not even close. Right. So the, the idea right now that you think downtown needs advocacy might almost sound silly because you see so much money there, but... Certainly was not always the case. Yeah, no, for sure. Just on on LinkedIn, uh, somebody posted a picture from uh, one of the high rises from, I think it was 1985, looking, it was probably from 6th Street or so, looking down to to the river, and it just showed, you saw... Uh, 111, 100 Congress, and then surface every parking every blocks. other block was surface parking. The one just to the west of 100 Congress, 111 Congress, was a grass field. <laughs> and yeah, the, I mean, there's and the rest was just warehouse, one story, little some sort of old warehouse. Really um, wild. So and and it didn't change that much until the uh, the owl inspired design of the Frost Bank Tower. Because mm-hmm. I remember when that. 
when that was built and opened, um, I think we blew Kirk Watson's mind with that being the the first high rise open after nine eleven, uh, and the airport was the first. It was the first one to move forward into construction after nine eleven, and the mm. and the airport was the first one. Um, was the it was the last one to open before nine eleven? I think. Um, so it had to change, it had to be retrofitted, but, um, when, when, yeah, when the frost bank tower opened, I mean, first of all, you could see it from everywhere and people were just freaking out. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> and now you can hardly see it. I mean, it's a beautiful building, but it, it does not building. stick out. I mean, it's just amazing. The amount of, of construction over the last 20 years. Um, so yeah, they obviously have been been advocated for and are and, and appear to be appear to be doing doing pretty good. I think so. Down there, yeah, I think so. So we, we've talked about it before uh, briefly. Then, and I, I would like to think someone like the the DAA could could maybe push it. But how does Austin not have a live music capital of the world museum, hard rock cafe type? Uh, you come, you get off the the airplane, you go downtown. I want to go see Austin live music capital of the world. Not a show at Stubbs, but like, where do I go? Where do I go have lunch and and be like, oh, look, there's Willie Nelson, there's there's the guitar from Stevie Ray Vaughan, or you know, I mean, not corny, cheesy, but in a nice, like right, Austin, because I think it got started with when the uh, Austin City Limits auctioned off the original backdrop, um, piece by piece, to the highest bidder. Of this, I mean, and up close, I'm sure it's not the most amazingly detailed model. Sure. But now, I, I don't, I don't think a single buyer bought all of them. So now, someone owns How this cool building, would that be? <laughs> right? Because well, so we didn't have a place to put it. There was no, there was no place that made sense. Same thing with Threadgills when it when it closed and they auctioned off everything in there. There's just not, there's there's not a place that makes sense for people to whether they they buy it and, and donate it or, or you know put it on loan to display. Um, it, on something interesting, it could be Some, next to the convention center and not be terrible. I don't disagree. Yeah, there's a there's a lack of. Um, we've talked about the museum. We need a big science museum as well. And one of the issues is that Austin has some growing pains. We don't have that big philanthropy. Right. That we have the Moody's, and they put their name on on three different. And they're not even from on here. three different amphitheaters because there's only that. You know, there's no other. There's no other big names besides Dell, and uh, we don't have that bigger city infrastructure to fund those sorts of civic amenities. We need, we need a science museum for sure. And a music. I museum think we were hoping idea. that Elon would throw money at that. Yeah. I mean, it could, it could be a business. I mean, it could pay for well, itself. I guess we right? should raise the money and start right. a music museum yeah. restaurant. I mean, well, yeah, so we <laughs> lost, we've lost both thread gills and um, now I'm, I'm putting my, my hopes in the, was the Arlen studios, the, the Austin Opry, over there right. behind Music Lane, Academy right, Drive. Sure. Um, you know, I feel like they're trying to preserve some history and still, you know, make make a make a business business model work. But um, to get pushed back because it's in a neighborhood, which I don't don't really buy that. <laughs> like you're you're right behind, you're adjacent to Music Lane, adjacent to South Congress. You know, one of the All biggest of our, retail. So, so many things are affected by what are called residential compatibility right. standards. It's a, it's a, it's a sticky thing to work through. You can yeah. see both sides, but ultimately, I think uh, I think it is holding back progress in the city. Well, I mean, you just look at that one specifically. You're like, wait, you're proposing to make it the same thing it was. I think maybe even a little smaller than it was 
40 years ago, <laughs> but yet somehow along the way it got rezoned and it's not appropriate to let them do what it's <laughs> ironic. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. It's yeah. not, they're not proposing a big tower. I mean, I think there is some housing to it, but, um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, I'm tying my, tying my hopes and dreams to that one to preserve a little culture and at least have somewhere that you're like, Oh, this is where <laughs> such and such happened where Willie did whatever in his hotel room or whatever <laughs> went on down there, you know, cause one Texas center, that's the, birthplace of the armadillo world headquarters that's uh, that's right which the, <laughs> that irony i think does not get as much play as it should so the well the, pair it with who we just had kirk watson on the liberty lunch is now a csc bill or a whatever yeah, which one CSC bill, right? Right. so you're like kind of both of them they're loosely tied one directly and so the city bought the one texas center so they didn't do it on purpose um but yeah you just look at um both institutions that are now city city owned buildings. It, it does speak to what are, what are we preserving? What are we valuing? I don't, I don't know the answer to, to all of it, but we're growing. We're, we're progressing. Growing. I think that's something that, uh, that balance between preservation and growth is something that I know, uh, we don't take lightly. And James, I think you, you specifically have some strong feelings around this. So, but, Fundamentally, there is a balance that I think we can that we can all get to. I think it's uh, necessary to have places for people to live, for the culture to survive. I would rather preserve right. people than buildings. Uh, but the the armadillo and the Liberty Lunch are fun examples. Armadillo specifically because uh, that tracked now the development services building. That's what it is, right? That the, yeah. the big parking lot. Well, now the it's a homeless has, court. But the yes. city has has uh, has bandied about the idea that that we could, as part of this South Central Waterfront plan, potentially put affordable housing there. Yeah, and I would like to see a lot of people who are happy to berate you know private developers about the percentages of affordable housing really hold the city accountable for developing their property to to even higher standards because what we see at Miller for example is 25% affordability yeah. and then you know here at the, the South Central waterfront they have a, a, a target for something like 15% for the whole thing mm-hmm. but that's not evenly spread between all properties they they can put a lot of right. it in one one tract that needs to be the tract i mean that needs to go up 30 floors um, and be mixed income housing yeah. And it's, that, and it's, I think it's always been zoned or intended to potentially have a second tower. Sure. Right. So, so, yeah, so you it, wouldn't, the idea is just that I think a lot of the people that are happy to, to, to have some sort of uh, concerns about density that own homes close by right. that, that, that statesman site, for instance, right. would not be quite as, as thrilled right. to see the city pursue dense affordable housing. If are you, are you talking tall. about that guy that didn't want to smell the barbecue smoke every day in his backyard? Oh, that's, well, that's, that's the, uh, that's the folks at Bolden and Bolden Creek. Yeah. They are, uh, they are a unique bunch. Uh, that was, that was a pretty good story. So what, what else are you excited about reporting coming up or trends in Austin that excite you about the future? James? Well, we have, uh, we have a lot of towers that, that, uh, round their corners now, yeah. architecturally speaking, they, uh, they don't do the squares They're They, they're kind of rounded. They're organic they're with plant or, or the organic plants, of plants hanging off. And, you no, know. and I, I joke, but I do, I enjoy seeing, we, we've seen some interesting designs be proposed uh, recently. Yeah. And what part of what that is, is that post COVID we've got all of these office developments that are really trying to give people a destination to return to in-person work. They don't want to just be, you know, whatever office they want. They want it to be a, a restaurant and a, and a, and a garden and they a want lot to bring, bring, terraces, bring the, in, yeah. yeah, bring the outside in. And it's a, it's a, it's an amenity thing. Right. Uh, they call it biophilic design, which is very <laughs> funny to me, but, uh, 
Now, I, I have enjoyed seeing some of the office projects that, that have been proposed uh, after 2020. Have uh, They've stepped their design up quite yeah, a bit. Sure. And, 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 of course, residential is always going to be the most interesting to me. Um, but I do think it's fun to, to see them try to, to go for true mixed use, you know, a lot of retail space, yeah. all that. And, again, yeah, the, the tallest tower in Texas we, we reference, I guess. It, so it's a hotel, office. Hotel, and office, and residential, probably apartments, or, yeah, or, yeah, if yeah. I had to guess, um, and, and significant and retail, retail yeah, and, yeah. and a lot of a lot of outdoor um, in collaboration yeah. with that Waterloo Greenway belt. They're going to put a new pedestrian bridge across the, the, the creek there. Yeah. And, and a lot of this stuff is still not confirmed. I mean, you got to understand this is like a – a weirdly underreported outside of our site project, considering that it yeah. is going to be, by all accounts, all technical info, the tallest building right. in Texas by at least 20 feet or more. Yeah. Um, but but there's just not a lot floating around out there that's public yet. You know, a lot of it, there's there's city records, but but things about like specific design minutiae, we haven't been able to, to get our hands yeah. on yet. So it's going to be, a, it's an ongoing process. But I think people should be more aware this is happening. It's, oh, it's, it's very it's happening. impressive. It's happening. And it has big, tall neighbors next to it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the part nobody gets is yeah. that there's going to be more towers right there right. and adjacent tracks. It's going to look like uh, it's going to be extremely dense in those three. And then and then just across corners. the creek with 98 San Jacinto. Uh, any, is, is that one moving forward? Is that one ownership? Uh, Confirm change. Is that the, that's the where. The, no, that's that, the 98 uh, San Jacinto is the Four Seasons. Oh, that's so, the four uh, so you're thinking right, of 99, 99, 99 Trinity. 99 Trinity. The, uh, that's the it. warehouse yeah, yeah, yeah. that was formerly a world class. Yeah, world um, class. Yeah, like world class. Now, I um, I hope to see that one be yeah. a signature uh, tower because it is directly adjacent to the new station for Project Connect. Where okay, the, so on that um, side, got it. Where the, the the tunnel comes out there to cross to the the station that'll be at the Statesman site. I believe that's the blue line. Yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, transit-oriented sort of um, development could be good there, a lot of residential. So, hey, have you looked at the at the Project Connect? Because I know the, the, the boat dock is going to get relocated over by Oracle because right. of the bridge. What about that um, interesting affordable housing little complex that's right there? Yeah, well, um, that's that's federal, right. right? I think so. I'm not sure what's going to happen Yeah, I, I haven't there. seen where the train, how the train goes under under. That through yeah. the, goes to yeah, the side of it. Which is yeah, side. Okay. I don't think it's effective, but okay. potentially. I mean, that's right. valuable uh, land. I'm, I'm assuming that they could they could do something with it. Just th- the same way that that um, the the affordable housing over there, the the, the RBJ Center was was right. redeveloped. Yeah, senior, yeah, yeah. senior housing. They just expanded mm-hmm. it. Uh, so yeah, that's possible. Interesting. So Jude, on the on the on the brokerage side, what is what is the trending? Feelings of, of downtown Austin, uh, condo sales, apartments. Um, how many people actually live in the condos full-time year-round? Has there ever been a study of of uh, actual owner-occupied primary residents? Is it, is it a, a good se- number? I've not or? seen a study. No study that I would say, oh, I can completely yeah. rely on this. But just the same, just anecdotally from my experience, I mean, the bulk of people that we work with, they live there. Okay. It might be a secondary residence, but that's even – that's even not the, the majority of them. Um, so the vast majority of people that we're working with, they, they want to live in downtown. They are ready. They just have one car, maybe no cars, depending on which building you choose. So downtown, I mean, traffic aside, downtown is in the best condition it's ever been. And the ironic part is when the pandemic started, the first couple months, um, People were scared to share elevators together. Right. They didn't understand. So that for those first few months, I mean, downtown had a rough slog. Mm-hmm. Um, but even but now, I mean, the inventory is still 
pretty tight. Yeah. I mean, if you want to buy a place downtown, you're pro- you probably have, depending on what your price bracket is, you probably only have four or five spaces that you're going to be able to look at that's ready to move right. in now. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, but more more in the works. More in the works. On the way. A lot of Lee, good looking buildings in the works too. Lee, are we moving from Oak Hill downtown? You can buy a tower and get away from that that construction I'll, traffic I'll, out there. I, I hope to sell Voltec and buy a tower. <laughs> buy a whole tower. Yeah. Voltec Tower. Absolutely. Pull a pull a Burns. There you go. Just Let's do it. Live in the top yep. of it. And yep. Look yep. down on all the minions down there. Rainy Street would be fun to live on. We have some friends that live in the Milagro. Yeah. Most of their neighbors don't live there. Back to your question. Yeah. yeah. Most of them are from out of town and Secondary they, they can't VRBO them or anything. They just sit yeah. there until they fly in to see a yeah. show or a concert and they stay at the Milagro and they leave. So that, that's the, um, that's what that building's such a sleeper building because it's unassuming. And it was also probably within our era, that was the first condominium building to be complete in the rainy district. Prior to that, you had villas, which is now right. gone, right? But Milago really kicked off what was happening in rainy street. Um, and it's an incredibly well-run building too. And buildings like Malaga, we currently, if you're buying new construction in Austin, you're going to be seeing prices that are $1,200 a square foot, $1,300 a square foot, and certainly much more, but I'm almost talking about the average. Um, but it's the resale market in buildings like Malago that share the exact same neighborhood where you can actually find relatively good value still so, they're nice places amen i i stand out well on my managed. buddy's balcony all the time look at the lake and we watch those drones bats no the drones Both. that did the ad up in the sky oh, during oh, south by yeah. during south by yeah. was right out their window yeah. it was pretty awesome well uh 48 east whatever it's called now it's That's, an interesting yeah. model it's where nativo nativo yeah so you, you you purchase the unit it's operated as a hotel and you can't homestead it. I guess. I guess technically you could live. I don't know if you, if there. I don't believe you can. You, you can't homestead it. Yeah. yeah so I don't. I don't, I don't know can. if you have to have a certain amount of days. You can't owner occupy. It's, it's weird. So it's, it's it's basically you're buying a hotel room and getting a cut of the of the revenue. It it's, is currently the only model of its kind. Yeah. Um, it won't be soon. There's another building in the works uh, called the Conrad, oh, um, which is actually near the convention center. Okay. Right. Um, but it's an interesting model. It's not for everybody. Yeah, right. um, it was also, you, you could only buy them furnished. You had to take the same, Yeah, everybody has the same furniture. Everybody yeah, you have the same, same package. Furniture, which, yeah. if you're running a hotel or trying to create right. this concept, it kind of makes sense. But it made it's, for an interesting kind of investment. Right. We, and then and at the other extreme, you have the, the Four Seasons residences or condos or whatever's going up on the 360 bridge. I just have a hard time seeing those. There's going to be anybody in those like it's going to be a ghost town because the people that are buying those majority of them are buying it as a second, third, fourth home, or just a F one home. Uh, and you, and there you have no desire to rent it out. <laughs> so, but, but I hear, I hear they're more than half sold or half sold or pre-sold. Um, that's, a, that's going to be an interesting one to see kind of the next, next tier of Austin. But it is an interesting yeah. one to watch. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah. it's in its own, it's, it, it's an odd duck in its own way. It's right. a hyper luxury product, but and it's it's a good view, but an interesting location. Yes, as exactly. far as accessing exactly the Austin experience. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, what else, Lee? I think we I think we've I think we've wrapped it up here. We might have to do this one again. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a, have a check in like a like a blog podcast. 
you know, having you guys on a little bit more regularly to catch up on what's happening in Austin. Yeah, there's a lot going on. We didn't, we didn't even get to talk about Frank's hot dogs. That was on my list. They're oh closed, my man. You know, they are closed, closed, and the yeah. building's still there, sandwiched in two between two high rises. I I just can't. I, did they just threaten not to sell, and then both sides moved on without them? I don't. Somebody might have owned the property. Has plans? I mean, this happened. <laughs> this happened recently at the uh, Roosevelt Room, the cocktail bar. Okay, those guys also own their little their little property there, and so there's two towers. There's an older one, I think it's Plaza Lofts. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Okay. And then then the, the Hanover Building going up there on the corner of Fifth and Lavaca, and they're just that tiny little holdout. But that's a great bar, so I'm not bothered by it. <laughs> right. But it just seems hard to redevelop vertically. To well, yeah, they, they can't. I mean, maybe infill, but yeah, they're just going to have to run a very high volume business. And hot dogs were not paying paying the taxes, as, or as I, I understand it. Or I guess you can argue that your land is now not worth much of anything, right? It can't be worth per foot as the other one. They'll buy yeah. it and turn it into a turf dog park. A turf dog park. Like, yeah. Next alley. Ranch 616. There's one of those, alleyway. you know? Yeah. yeah. Man, that would be, uh, that'd be one heck of a story. That would be terrible if they just made that a, 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 a rooftop, a rooftop, a dog park. Dog park. That's a, that's a huge amenity downtown. The, the, I hear. The, oh my goodness, <laughs> dignities. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you all yeah, very thank much. You. Appreciate it. Absolutely, we'll yep. do it again. You take us out, Lee. Boom. Music for this podcast was done by AudioSnack. If you need custom music to take your project to the next level, check us out at audio-snack.com.